Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I love doing radio. I absolutely love it. There's a lot of reasons, and one of them is... Even if you're just a schmo like me, you get to have some of the smartest people in the various sports we talk about on the show to give their expertise. And we're really lucky when people like Jim Bowden are able to come on. This dude is a former MLB general manager. He is an incredibly talented MLB analyst, including at CBS Sports HQ uh, as our insider, where I obviously also work. He's a Sirius XM MLB network radio host. If he added hours to the day and days to the week. This guy would have even more jobs. That's how in demand he is. And it's a big day today, coming off the deadline. So very cool he joins us now. Jim, good morning, buddy. Uh, appreciate you as always, pal. Thanks for thanks for making time for us. Oh, Bill, you know I always got time for your show. Always been a big fan of your work. So thanks for having me on. So we don't always start with the trades that, that didn't happen. And we knew that Shohei Otani wasn't going to be traded. We The Angels were pretty clear about that over, over the sort of final days of, of the deadline, but I do want to start there. Just you've been in that seat, you've been in that job, you've done a really good job at it when you were a GM, and I imagine that it's hard sometimes to see the forest for the trees, and there's a lot of pressure. What did you make of the Angels' ultimate decision to just say YOLO? You only live once. Let's keep Shohei and see if we can see if we can make something happen. Yeah, a huge blunder for them long term. Um, look, this is going to set them back three to five years in their rebuild. Uh, they made a huge mistake. Look, if you had traded Shohei Otani at the deadline, you would have been able to get back six to eight top 15 prospects in baseball. It would have been the biggest return we've ever seen for a rental player, and rightfully so because he's an ace on the mound and a middle-of-the-order impact bat in the middle. He would have changed the landscape of the playoffs and the World Series, quite frankly, if he was traded to the right team. Holding on to him means that if he doesn't re-sign with the Angels in two months, um, they'll get a draft pick at the end of the first round that may or may not ever play in the big leagues. And if he does, it'll be three years down the road. Um, And so then what they did is they went all in. They traded two of their top five prospects for two months of Lucas Giolito. And they traded two more top 20 prospects for the expiring contracts of C.J. Crone and Randall Gritchick, who quite frankly are more role players on a championship caliber team. 
So they went all in. Here's the problem, right, to be frank about it. The Astros and Rangers have way better teams. Seattle has a much better rotation. And there's three teams in the American League East that are significantly better than Seattle. Seattle's not going to make the playoffs. And by the way, by the end of August, they'll be under 500. They have a really difficult schedule this month. And so since 2018, since they signed Otani, they have never finished at 500. They've been below 500 every year he's been there. This will be no exception. So what's going to happen on Thanksgiving when the owner, Artie Moreno, and the GM, Perry Manassian, are around the dinner table having turkey? What's going to be left? You lost four of your top 20 prospects, two of your top five. You lost Otani. You get a pick. You lost Giolito. You lost Crone. You lost Gritchick. And now what are you going to do? Sit back and say, oh, we should have – we should have handled the trade deadline differently. This script is terrible. Now, Bill, I hope I'm wrong. I'm going to root for the Angels to win. I hope <laughs> they make the playoffs. I hope they go to the World Series. I hope they give Otani $550 million and he stays. And I hope whatever dream they're living in works. I really hope I'm wrong. But if I was sitting in that chair, it'd be a much different day-to-day in Orange County than the one they're enjoying. That might be the best answer a guest has given to a question in months, if not more. I love it. And, Jim, you just articulated out loud what I've been trying to say on the air. Let me ask you about the hope that you have that you're wrong and the hope that I know people here in L.A. have, at least the few Angels fans I know, that he's an angel next year. As a GM, as a front office making this 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 sort of decision, this gamble, I know you don't know Shohei Otani, you're not in that front office, but in general, how easy or difficult is it to assess where a star player is at when you have to try to figure out internally whether the guy's going to stay? Is it as easy as asking his agent, or do you just do you have to read tea leaves? How do you go internally in an organization about the business of trying to figure out what your own guy may or may not do when the season's over if he's a free agent? That's a great question, Bill, and I'm going to give you the exact answer on why I don't think he's going to resign there. Number one, you talk to him directly and look him in the eye. In this case, because I don't know Japanese, I have to talk to his translator. Number two, I need to talk to his agent, Nez Bolello of CAA, to find out what's important to him. What are my chances of keeping him? Then I need to talk to his teammates. What is, has what is, what is he told his teammates? Then I need to find out what does he do in the offseason? Where does he go? Who does he hang with? What's important to him? And i got to find that out directly from him, from his translator, from his teammates, from his friends, from his agents. And i got, and I got to know that answer. Now, I can tell you that I've done that homework. I'm not even the GM of the Angels, but representing uh, CBS, I go out and find out what's really going on so I know. This is what I found out. Number one, the most important thing for Shohei Otani is winning. He wants to be on the biggest stage every year in October. He wants a chance at a World Series every year, not once in a while, every year. That's the most important thing to him. Number two, his preference is on the West Coast. That's where he prefer to be. That doesn't mean that he wouldn't be open to New York or Chicago or somewhere else. But his preference is West Coast. Uh, next, what does he do in the off season? He has spent two off seasons in Seattle, all on the West Coast. Where's his agent Nesbolello live? He's got two homes, one close to Dodger Stadium, one close to Angel Stadium. Two homes in, in L.A., Southern California, both closest to Angels, Dodgers. Why is that important? Because agents like that are superstar players near. It helps recruiting other players. Also, with all the marketing money that Otani brings in and all the advertising, a lot easier if your player is close to Los Angeles or New York for, for those kind of business decisions. Um, so when I look at the Angels 
You've never finished above 500 with him. You're a little bit over now, but I don't think you're going to end up there. Um, and then I listen to what he says. I kind of feel like the Angels aren't going to be where he ends up. He has never sat there and signed. Remember Artie Moreno with Mike Trout when we went through this with Mike Trout? What did he do? He signed him. Where's the contract for Otani? It's not that hard to go give him $550 million. Why didn't he engage? Why didn't Nezbolello, why did he sign a one-year deal this year? Because they want to get the free agency, and he wants to win. I don't think the Angels can convince me that they have any kind of blueprint or any kind of plan to be legitimate contenders 2024 and beyond. Their farm system is weak, and they just traded two of their top five prospects. Their major league club does not have a lot of trade pieces, and you're burdened with contracts like Anthony Rendon. So how in the world are you going to convince Shohei Otani or his agent that you're going to win? Because I know the Dodgers can do that. I I know the Mariners can do that. I know the Padres can do that. Heck, I even think the Giants can do a better job of doing that than the Angels can. So if I was sitting in that room, I'd have traded them. Jim Bowden breaking it down and striking – optimism to the heart of Dodgers fans, among others, everywhere. Uh, The Mets are such an interesting team, Jim, and obviously not only sent out some guys, some important guys at the deadline, but Max Scherzer was pretty candid, was pretty honest in in his introductory press conference about what the Mets brass told him in terms of they're not going to be making a huge push next year in in terms of bringing in big, big names. Do um, Do you like what the Mets did, do you think their moves at this deadline were, were the right ones considering all the context of what their goals had been and where they are right now in the standings? So, so I wrote an article in The Athletic today, which you can find the link on my Twitter, which is Jim Bowden GM, where I grade all 30 teams and what they did at the trade deadline in detail. But for the Mets, I gave them a straight A. Absolutely love what they did. Now, when Billy Epler had to have the conversation with Max Scherzer and Justin Verlander, in order to get them to waive their no-trade clause, in order for them to trade them, he had to convince them they were not going to try to win while they were under contract with the Mets. They weren't going to try to win this year at the deadline, and they weren't going to try to win next year. That's the only way, only way, they would waive their no-trade clause so they could make these deals. So understand that's why Billy Epler had that conversation with Max Scherzer. He had to convince them to waive it. Otherwise, they could have not waived it, and then they'd be stuck with them. Okay. Scherzer's 38, Verlander's 40. This team is 18 games behind the Atlanta Braves. You're not catching them. And by the way, you're not catching them next year either. So how are you, you going to eventually beat the Braves? What's your farm system look like? Okay, we've got Ronnie Mar- Mauricio coming, middle infielder. We've got Francisco Alvarez in the big league catcher. We've got Brett Beatty, third baseman there. We've got Alonzo. We've got Lidnor. We've got Nemo. We've got McNeil. We've got pieces. Okay, but how do we catch Atlanta? Well, to do that, we need to go out there and get three – top prospects in baseball, elite prospects. How do we do that? We trade Verlander and Scherzer, and we pay $90 million for these three prospects. $90 million. No owner's ever done that in the history of baseball. Steve Cohen's a billionaire. He's got more money than anybody, and he'll spend whatever he wants to spend whenever he wants to spend it. So he ends up telling Houston, you're going to give me your two best outfield prospects. I'm getting Drew Gilbert, your first-round pick from last year, and I'm going to get Tyler Clifford. Your two best prospects. I'll give you Verlander, and look, I'll, I'll pay down $55 million of Verlander, but I'm getting your two best young hitters. And then he goes to Texas and says, I'm going to give you Max Scherzer, and I'm going to, pay a, I'm going to give you $45 million. 
And, and guess what I'm going to get from you? I'm going to get your best position player, Ronda Cunha Jr.'s brother, who's got a chance to 300 and steal 50 bags and be a leadoff guy. Now, long term for the Mets, I got Alvarez behind the plate. I got Acuna, Mauricio in the middle, and I still have Lindor. And now I got Drew Gilbert in center, and I got Tyler Clifford eventually on the corner. Now, all of a sudden, I've got four or five very inexpensive pieces that are coming that will be there in two years, right? And then that's going to give me more money to go spend what I need. And by the way, if I want to replace uh, Verlander and, and, and Scherzer, Aaron Nola is going to be a free agent. I can always sign him. I, you know, I, I, Now I've got more to trade. So, look, the Mets are going to try to build this thing through development and scouting. I love what they did. They weren't going to win with Verlander and Scherzer, so why not turn them into three top elite prospects that you can build around? I like what they did. Jim, the Padres were another team that, that like the Mets, not afraid to spend money, big aspirations, competitive division, and things have not gone to plan. They, they had a different approach. Do you like San Diego's odds to to get back in the mix and have what is a pretty talented roster, at least if you look at it, actually start winning more ball games than they have up to this point? Yeah, Bill, look, I, I've said all year they're a playoff team, and they will be. And I'm sorry that they've been where they are and they're under 500. It's, it's almost amazing. But I, I've never wavered on the Padres. We will cover them in October. Uh, you look at the underlying, uh, underlying analytics here, right? Uh, third best run differential in the National League, third best expected one-loss record behind only the Braves and Dodgers. That's really where they stand. Now, they can't win one-run games. They can't win extra inning games. I don't know why. Part of the problem is uh, the injuries to Suarez and Wilson were significant in innings six and seven, and they lost a bunch of games in that pocket. The other problem they had is they didn't get any production at the bottom of the lineup. So when the big four guys never hit together, which they really haven't yet, the bottom of the order couldn't carry them. So they had below average major league players at positions. You know, one of the things we learned in this game is you better have at least an average player at every position. If you have that, you win 81 games. Then anything you have above average, you start adding the wins on top of 81, right? Well, the Padres' bottom third of the lineup were all players that were below average major league players that dragged the team down. So when the big boys didn't hit, you couldn't win those games. But the talent's there. There's no doubt. And I would not have sold. I know some people thought they should sell Snell, Hayden, or Soto. No. You don't break it up. What you do is you look at how you failed and how can you fix what was wrong. And that's what they did at the deadline. They bring in Scott Barlow from the Royals, who a year ago was one of the best closers in the game. He's having an off year, so you were able to pick him up. You pick up Rich Hill. Yeah, he's 40-some years old and thinks he's Tom Brady. But, you know, this is a guy that can be a fist starter. He can go long. He can be a matchup guy. He's got different arm angles, shapes, sizes of different breaking balls. Good teacher for young guys. So you've got two, two arms that are going to help. Then you went and got G-Man Choi um, and Garrett Cooper, who, look, they're just platoon guys. That's all they are. But they got power. And, oh, by the way, you know, Nelson Cruz was a disaster. Matt Carpenter was a total disaster. They just got no production in the bottom of the lineup. Well, look, Choi and Cooper together, they'll end up with 20 homers the rest of the year. Between the two of them, you just got to mix and match them. So you really addressed why you weren't winning one-run games. You really addressed why you weren't winning extra inning games. And, oh, by the way, your superstar hitters, none of them have really lived up to their potential together. So they've got to run in them ahead. We're going to be covering San Diego in October, Bill. Jim Bowden, incredible interview, great insight. Uh, longtime former MLB GM, TBS Sports HQ, Insider, Sirius XM, MLB Network radio host, writes at The Athletic on Twitter at 
Jim Bowden, GM, and graciously making time here. Jim, that was that was phenomenal, man. I, I love the insight. I love the perspective. You made us all smarter. Thanks for uh, thanks for making time. Hey, thanks, Bill. A lot of fun. See you. So, thanks, by but- the way, how did the Lakers do it in free agency? Uh, how did the Lakers do in free agency? I actually like how they, you know what, I actually like how they did. I kind of like that they brought the pieces back that were good at the end of last year, but every one of my neighbors, Jim, who are not NBA insiders but think they are, are unhappy they didn't get a third star. So we oh, will see. I love see. what they did. I, I do too. Bill. Come on. Bring it now. back. Let's go. Bring the band back together, baby. As long as Anthony Davis can stay healthy, let's go. That's what I thought. I didn't want Kyrie. I didn't want to deal oh. with all that drama. I like Look, what they did. I like Gabe Bitson. I thought that was an upgrade over Schroeder. <laughs> I, I like Prince. I like what they did. I like what they drafted, too. So, I don't know. I'm excited, Bill. But I follow you. Keep up the great work, and thanks for having me on. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com.